Chapter Seventeen of Anglo-American Memories by George Washburn Smalley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen: A Fragment of Unwritten Military History. By this time, September eighteen sixty-two, Mister Dana had retired from the Tribune, and Mister Sidney Howard Gay had become managing editor in Mister Dana's place the natural gift of command which belonged to mr dana had not descended upon mr gay it never does descend but he was capable of a quick decision and when having returned that morning from antietam i saw him in the afternoon he was in a managing editor's state of mind with much firm kindness of manner he suggested that i should start that evening to rejoin the army i said yes because in my inexperience and in my artless awe of my superior officer i did not know what else to say and i took the night train to washington with the discomforts of the night railway service between new york and washington i had already made acquaintance they were considerable but less than they are now there was then no overheated pullman car there was no overbearing colored porter to patronize you and to brush the dust from other people's clothes into your face and to heat the furnace by which i mean the steam-heated car seven times hotter there was no promiscuous dormitory when lord charles beersford was last in washington four or five years ago he told me one afternoon he was going to new york by the night train when i suggested that the day service was less unpleasant than the night he answered oh it doesn't matter to me i can sleep on a clothesline there spoke the sailor lad of whom there are still traces in the great admiral of to-day i have never tried the clothesline but i had lately been sleeping for many nights together on the sacred soil of virginia or the perhaps less sacred soil of maryland thinking myself lucky if i could borrow two rails from a virginia fence to sleep between i'm not sure whether i like the stiff seats of the old-fashioned coach much better but i am quite sure i should prefer the open air and the sacred soil and the virginia rails to the luxurious stuffiness of the modern sleeping-car the only real luxury i know of in american railway travel is the private car however i might as well have stayed in new york for i was soon invalided back again with a camp fever and then remained in the office to write war editorials and others but i was to make one more journey to the field and once more to see general hooker general mcclellan thinking it over for a month and more after antietam had finally crossed the potomac dawdled about a little and been ordered to trenton new jersey well out of the way of further mischief general burnside had succeeded mcclellan had fought and lost the battle of fredericksburg with the maximum of incompetency in december eighteen sixty two had mcclellanized till january twenty fifth and had then yielded up the command of the unhappy army of the potomac to general hooker fighting joe spent some three months in getting his army into good fighting order then tried his luck against lee and stonewall jackson at chancellorsville luck in the shape of a bullet whether union or rebel took jackson out of his way but lee perhaps for the first time showed the greater qualities of generalship and hooker at the end of a three-day battle was defeated 
the union forces recrossing the rappahannock on the night of may fourth eighteen sixty three i must apologize for restating even in the briefest form facts which everybody knows i do it because soon after chancellorsville i was sent again to the army of the potomac on a mission of inquiry it was almost the blackest period of the war the darkness before dawn a dawn which was to come from the west as well as from the east the army was demoralized so was public opinion so i think were the military authorities in washington and nobody knew where to look for a commanding officer there remained not one in whom the president or the army of the potomac had faith they were groping for a general and groping so far as the east was concerned in the dark my business was to throw such a light as i could on the causes of hooker's defeat and to find out if i could whom the army of the potomac wanted as leader and i was given to understand that the results of my inquiry would be published in the tribune they never were i spent rather more than a week with the army at one headquarters or another general hooker to whom i of course presented myself in the first instance very kindly asked me to be his guest but that was impossible i could not be the guest of the man whom i was to investigate i told hooker my errand as general commanding he had the right to order me out of the lines which would have brought my mission to an end instead he offered me all facilities consistent with his duty if i am to be investigated he said rather grimly it might as well be by you as anybody indeed he had a kindness for me and had offered me or tried to offer after antietam a place on his staff which military regulations did not permit it was not necessary to tell him i had every wish he might come well out of the examination but i had so i went about to one general and another and from one corps to another and talked with men of all ranks and of no rank i knew general sedgwick best and went to him first he was a man of action rather than words and was reluctant to talk besides his share in the battle had been greater than anybody's but hooker himself he told me what his orders had been and how he had tried to carry them out up to a certain point he had been successful he had crossed the rappahannock in the early morning of may third carried the heights near fredericksburg by noon advanced toward chancellor's with intent to turn lee's rear till he brought up against an immovable rebel force late in the afternoon he held his position all night and during most of the next day the fourth then lee who was at his best brought up more troops and forced sedgwick back across the river at night he had lost five thousand men from what sedgwick told me and from what others told me i gathered that this was the critical point of the battle if hooker could either have kept these rebel reinforcements busy elsewhere or have strengthened sedgwick earlier in the day the rebel lines would have been broken or turned and the battle won but he was outmaneuvered by lee here and elsewhere that is chancellorsville in a nutshell 
hooker was i suppose overweighted with the command of an army of a hundred and twenty thousand men as a corps commander and for fighting purposes he had no equal but he was pitted against a general whom european critics have praised till they seem inclined to put him on a level with hannibal or moltke where he certainly does not belong but he was good enough in these may days of eighteen sixty three to defeat general hooker there have been stories in print to which i refer because they have been in print it was said of general hooker as it was said of a greater general in this civil war that he drank lincoln's wish to send a barrel of grant's whiskey to every other general in the union armies had not then been expressed but in the first place having heard this rumor before i left new york i asked everybody likely to know and not one witness could testify to having seen general hooker the worse for whiskey there is in the second place a statement that while hooker was standing on the morning of the third near chancellor's inn the porch was struck by a cannon shot and a beam fell on hooker's head he was not disabled but the working power of his brain at high pressure night and day for some sixty hours may well have been impaired one story may be set off against the other rightly or wrongly the army of the potomac had lost confidence in general hooker it had also lost confidence in itself it was a beaten army and the soul had gone out of it on both points the evidence was overwhelming there could be no doubt that i must report to mr gay that the demoralization was complete when i set myself to discover a remedy in other words a possible successor to general hooker i was at a loss general sedgwick's officers and men believed in him but the army as a whole thought he was in his right place as a corps commander other names were mentioned and put aside there was no reason why officers high in rank should talk freely to me there was every reason they should not talk freely to the representative of the tribune if the tribune was to publish an account of the state of public opinion in the army with reference to a new commander i endeavoured to make it clear that all statements on this matter would be treated as confidential still as you may imagine there were difficulties if one man was named more often than another it was general meade i was encouraged by a number of officers mostly staff officers as i had been at antietam in connection with general hooker to see general meade and lay before him what my friends declared to be the wish of the army or of a great part of the army they wanted him to succeed general hooker it did not seem desirable to pledge myself to anything but i did see general meade i had met him but once before he was just mounting his horse and proposed that we should ride together explaining that though i came on no mission and with no authority i had been asked to lay certain matters before him i gave him such an account as i could of what my friends thought the army wanted when he saw what was coming he turned as if to interrupt i don't know that i ought to listen to you he said but i asked him to consider that i was a civilian that i was in no sense an ambassador that i brought no proposals that he was asked to take no step whatever not even to say anything but only to hear what others thought upon that i was allowed to go on i said my say from beginning to end general meade listened with an impassive face he did not interrupt 
he never asked a question he never made a comment when i had finished i had not the least notion what impression my narrative had made on him nor whether it had made any impression he was a model of military discretion then we talked a little about other things i said good-bye rode away and never again saw general meade but gettysburg was the vindication of my friend's judgment thinking i had done all i could i said good-bye to general hooker who asked no questions went back to new york made a full oral report to mr gay and asked him whether i was to write a statement for publication he considered a while and then said no it is a case where the truth can do only harm it is not for the public interest that the public should know the army is demoralized or know that hooker must go or know that no successor to him can yet be named write an editorial keep to generalities and forget most of what you have told me i obeyed orders but the orders were given forty-odd years ago such interest as the matter has is now historical and so for the first time i make public a part and only a part of what i learned in that month of may eighteen sixty three on the banks of the rappahannock End of chapter seventeen